Not too long ago, a, uh, a woman from Illinois called me from my hometown, called me and we were talking and, and finally she came out and said, you know, I, I just feel like a disappointment all the time. I, I want to be the perfect mother. I want to be the perfect wife. I want to be the perfect child of God and yet I, I constantly am not that. She said, I, I, I know Jesus forgives me. I know He forgives me. I just don't know why He would love me. I don't feel like God loves me when I'm constantly disappointing Him. How do I stop feeling this way? How do I stop letting this feeling control me? I think we've all been there before, haven't we? Maybe not necessarily with feeling like a disappointment, but we've had feelings and emotions that, that tend to control us. Whether it's... Uh, Anger, bitterness, jealousy, whether it's uh, fear, guilt. We've all had emotions that seem to control us and imprison us and we can't shake the feeling. And so how do we break free? How do we not let these emotions control us? How do we not let sin control us? How do we break free from it all? Jesus reveals that to us today uh, as He performs a miracle actually in a church. And uh, we're continuing in our series called The Big Reveal. And the big purpose of it is that Jesus reveals something about Himself through these miracles. And today what He reveals to us has the biggest impact on our life. Not just on eternity, but on our day-to-day -day life. We're in Mark chapter 1 beginning with verse 21 where Jesus reveals all this to us. Here we go. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at His teaching because, because He taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Alright, so this is early on in Jesus' ministry, probably, probably about six months, six to eight months, somewhere in there. He just called his, for his disciples to follow Him. And now they went from Nazareth and Cana up to Capernaum, which was just north on, on uh, the Sea of Galilee. It was a, a port town. It was on the sea. Fishermen were huge there. The fishing industry was big. And Jesus went there. And on Saturday, the Sabbath, when the Jewish people worship, uh, He goes to the temple like they always did. And word had been getting around that Jesus was a prophet now, Jesus was stepping out into the public ministry, and so he gets there, and they ask him to read Scripture. And so Jesus does. He gets up in front of church, and he reads a section of Scripture, and he begins, begins to teach them the very words of God. And notice how the people react. They are amazed. Why? Because he taught them with, as one who has authority, not as the teachers of the law. What was the difference? The teachers of the law got up and what they would do is they would read a section of Scripture and then they would use their platform for one of two reasons. One, they would use the platform to talk about the traditions that the church has and why these are good and why you should follow the traditions. Even if it has nothing to do with the Word of God that was read, they're going to use it to talk about the traditions that they had and why they were good. The other thing that they would do is they would talk about other teachers of the law. Well, so-and-so says this about this section, but they're wrong, and let me prove to you why. And, and it became a belittling 
of other teachers of the law. They would talk around God's word, but they would not actually explain God's word to them. Compare that with Jesus. Jesus stands there, and what's he doing? He reads God's word, and he says, let me tell you what this means. Let me tell you how this impacts your life. Let me tell you about sin and grace, law and gospel. Let me tell you that you are a broken sinner. Let me tell you that you have sinned. Let me tell you that your sins have separated you from God, but then let me tell you that God's on a rescue mission. And He's sending a Savior to come after you, to save you, to remove that separation. God is coming to you. What they didn't know is that God was standing right in front of Him. God there teaching them. Jesus Himself, God, coming to rescue them. This is how Jesus was preaching and teaching, with authority. Here's God's Word. Here's what it means. And it's in the midst of church, in the middle of all this, that a man stands up. Here's what happens. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. So Jesus is in the middle of preaching and teaching about sin and grace when all of a sudden a man possessed by an impure spirit, so he's possessed by a demon, stands up. He can't take it anymore. And he says, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? I know who you are. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Now, I am not a demon, and I thank God I'm not. And I haven't really had too much experience with them. But wouldn't this be like the last play call in the playbook of demon possession to actually tell the people who Jesus is? This is who Jesus is. He's not lying, right? You are the Holy One of God, Jesus of Nazareth. And this demon just told everyone who Jesus is. Why? Remember the Jewish people were born and raised believing what? If they saw God face to face, what would happen to them? They would die, right? They would die. And so this demon stands up and says, I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. You are God Himself. What's he trying to do? He's trying to get people to be afraid of Jesus so that they stop listening to Jesus, so that they go away from Jesus. I'll be honest, this is a section of Scripture and and sections like this that people in the 21st century today kind of dismiss, they roll their eyes and, and say, oh, demons and the devil don't exist. But demons and the devil do exist. They, very, they are very real. And, and they have one goal in mind, and that's to destroy people. That's to, to destroy you and me. Not just here on earth, but forever in heaven. And how do they do that? They get in the way and they use whatever means necessary to get in the way between your relationship with God, between you and God. This demon not only wanted to possess this man and get in his, his way of his relationship with God, but he wanted to influence everyone else in the synagogue. And how to do that? Make people afraid of the Savior. The devil and the demon exist, and this is what they try to do today, to get in our way of our relationship with God. 
not possessing us necessarily because Jesus is protecting us and he promises uh, to continue to protect us, but they definitely influence us and they have one goal and that is to drag us away from God. And that's what this man does. He can't take hearing about sin and grace anymore. He can't take that people are actually learning about their relationship with God and how God is restoring it and so he has to interrupt. He has to distract. He has to influence to take away from Jesus' powerful words. But how did Jesus respond? Be quiet. Come out. And that demon has absolutely no choice but to come out. Why? Because what does Jesus reveal to us through all this? Jesus reveals His power over His enemies. Jesus reveals His power over His enemies. The demon was absolutely no match for Jesus. I'm not sure why, but in, in today's world, we kind of think that there's this mindset that the devil and his demons are on the same playing field as God. It's almost like a Star Wars mentality where you've got light versus darkness and, and there's balance, but sometimes the light is greater than the darkness and then the darkness recoups and then gets enough power and overtakes the light for a little bit and it goes back and forth. This isn't how God and the devil and, and the demons work. God is the all-powerful God. Nobody comes close to God. Does the devil and his demons have power? Yes. But Jesus has ultimate power. God has ultimate power over the, the demons and the devil. And we see that here. Jesus simply spoke and the demon had to obey. Even when God doesn't look like he's winning, even when God looks like he doesn't have power, he still has power. The greatest example of that is on the cross, right? On the cross, does it look like God is winning? On the cross, does it look like God has the power? Not at all. And yet, at the cross of Christ, He demonstrates perhaps one of His greatest powers, and that is the power over sin. In our lives, there are two great enemies, sin and death. And they completely separate us from God. And we have absolutely no power against them. But at the cross of Christ, Jesus sheds His blood. And what's He do? When He dies, He completely destroys the power of sin in your life. He completely removes it. He completely gets rid of it. Satan can't look at you and say, well, God, He's a sinner. Well, God, she sins all the time. He can't say that because Jesus says, I've destroyed the power of sin. I've destroyed it. They're forgiven. And then three days later, He rises from the dead. When, when we bury a loved one and we put them in a tomb, in a grave, that's final. That's the power of death. And yet Jesus raised Himself back to life. Nobody else raised Him. He raised Himself back to life. That's the power that he has over his enemies, that he raised himself. And now the devil can't even say, well, look, Jesus, death separates your people from you. He says, no, it doesn't. All I have to do is give a simple command and they will come back up. They will ra rise from the dead and they will be with me forever in heaven. I've destroyed the power of death. Jesus has complete power over all of his enemies, and we see that in the temple here. The demon 
is absolutely no match for Jesus. But did you catch how he flexed his power? It was completely through his words, right? He didn't wrestle this demon. He didn't duel this demon. He simply spoke. And the demon obeyed. And that's really our big thought for today. Jesus reveals that his word has the power. It's something that we can't even really comprehend, right? Because our words, do they have power? Yes. But do they have power like this? Parents, you know how, how hard this is. Be quiet. When you say be quiet, what happens next? Well, he did this. Well, she did that. Be quiet. The closest thing we get to this, to, to understanding this power, is maybe a drill instructor with new recruits. New recruits come, and what's a drill instructor do? He starts barking orders, right? And what do, what do first recruits do? They spring into action. Why? Because they had an order. But even there, they have a choice. They can choose not to do it. They just make the smart decision to listen uh, because otherwise they're going to be punished. It's out of fear that they're responding, right? This demon doesn't sit and think, how do I feel about this? Do I want to listen? Do I want to obey? Jesus commands and he obeys because he has no choice. He has absolutely no choice. This is the power of the Word of God. This is the power that God's Word has. God speaks the demon listens. And did you see the people's reaction? Here's how they respond. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Here's the amazing thing. Were the people more impressed with the casting out of the demon or the preaching of God's word with authority? Twice in seven verses we hear what? The people were amazed at his teaching because it was with authority. It's as if this casting out of the demon just proved the authority that his word had. They were more impressed with God's word being spoken with authority than casting out a demon. So that leads us to the question today. What are you more impressed by? Imagine that that scene unfolded here. Would you be more amazed at God's Word or would you be more amazed at casting out of a demon? I'm guessing that if you're like me, you'd say the casting out of a demon. And we may bristle at that. You may say, no, hang on, I, I'm amazed at God's Word. But what, is our, what do our lives show? We all have access to this powerful Word of God. We all have access to the Bible. We all have a Bible up on our shelves at home. And even if we don't, we all carry the Bible in our pockets for free. You can download the powerful Word of God in an app. And yet, at the end of the night, if you could run a report on what you looked at at your phone throughout the day, what would it show? How many times did Facebook, Instagram, 
uh, Snapchat, TikTok, email. How many times did those get open? And yet, how many times did the Word of God get opened? How many times did you read or read something or watch TV and yet your Bible sits on the shelf closed? We wonder why we can't break free from the power of jealousy, from the power of guilt. We wonder why we can't stop feeling like we're a disappointment. We wonder why uh, fear continues to control our lives. It's because we're not, in the God, we're not in the powerful Word of God. Some of us, the only time we hear the powerful Word of God is on Sunday mornings when we come to church. And yet we expect our lives to change by hearing it for uh, uh, 30 minutes. This is the powerful Word of God that we have access to every single day. Are we amazed? Look at what the people did. They were so amazed that they went and quickly spread the Word of God. They spread news about Jesus. When was the last time we were so amazed at what God's Word has done for our life that we actually told somebody about it? that we invited somebody to church because we just can't... It, it's so powerful. We, need, we want everyone to hear it. Again, if you're like me, it'd be the casting out of the demon. Why? Because God's Word has become so easy, easily available, so readily available, that we lose our awe over it. But consider what this powerful Word of God has done for your life. Consider how powerful God's Word is. He not only speaks and a demon goes. He speaks and the sun positions in the sky. He speaks and birds start flying. He speaks and the waters separate. He speaks and the waters fill with, an with a fish. He speaks, and the land fills with living creatures. He speaks, and we go from spiritual death to spiritual life. He speaks, and He makes doubters into believers. He speaks, and He makes His enemies His children. He speaks, and He brings us to faith in Jesus as our Savior. And everything that our Savior has accomplished, He credits to us simply because He speaks it. He speaks, and He raises people to life. This is a powerful Word of God that you have access to every single day of your life. It's the Bible, the Word of God. That has the same power as Jesus did when He stood in the temple and spoke and that demon went away. And so now, to close, I want to show you some of these promises of God and the power that they have for your life. You're controlled by fear. You wake up and you're controlled by fear. You're living in fear. Here's what God's Word promises you. Joshua 1.9 Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. 
Notice this promise. What God promises is not that your life's going to turn out the way you want, that the situation's going to turn out the way you want. He promises, though, that you can be strong and courageous. Why? Because the Lord God Almighty is with you wherever you go. You can head into whatever situation you're afraid of, whatever is causing you to fear. You can go into it fearless because the Lord God Almighty is with you. He's with you. And by the way, who else does this promise uh, uh, apply to? Your kids. Parents, you know what it's like to worry about your kids and be afraid for your kids. You know what it's like to be afraid for your future of your kids. And yet, this is God's promise to them too. I am with them wherever they go. And let me tell you, the Lord God Almighty loves your kids more than you love them. Because He sent His Son to die for them just like He sent His Son to die for you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. The Lord God is with you wherever you go. If you're dealing with guilt and controlled by guilt, here's what God promises in Psalm 103.12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. Think about the sin that is causing you to feel guilty. Think about the mistake. Think about the times when you willingly know you've crossed the line and that's when guilt sets in and controls you. What does God promise? I have removed them. How far? As far as the east is from the west. They aren't anywhere close to you, God says. This is the promise that God makes you. And so when, when you are feeling guilty, think of this verse and think, what does this mean for this sin? God promises that He has removed it from me completely. It's not attached to me. It can't even be seen from where I am. am because God has removed it that far. If we're dealing with jealousy and, and bitterness because we don't have what they have, here's what God promises. Peter says in, in 2 Peter 1, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own by His own glory and goodness. God promises that you have everything you need to live a godly life. We may not feel that. We may not think that. But God promises, I have given you everything you need to live a godly life. Maybe that thing, that possession that you don't have, that car, that house, those clothes, whatever it may be. Maybe God says, you know what, if you did have that, you wouldn't live a godly life. You wouldn't know me. And so you don't have it. Because I need you to know me more importantly. And the more we think about that, the more we say, God, I don't feel that way, but this is your promise. Help me to believe it. And the more we hear that promise, the more contentment it brings. Last one. When we're feeling like a disappointment, here's what Ephesians 5 says. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word, and to present her to Himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. You are part of God's Christian church. And what does He say He's made you? Holy. Cleansing you through what? the washing of water, and the Word. God's Word has cleansed you. God's Word has washed you. And now how does He present himself, you to Himself? Radiant, without stain or wrinkle or other blemish because He's removed them with the blood of Jesus. And now He only sees you holy and blameless. 
He doesn't see you as a disappointment. He doesn't see you as a failure. He sees you as holy and blameless in His sight. The more we focus on these promises, the more we meditate on them and what they mean for my situation, the more we are freed from what controls us. This is a power God's Word has. He cast out a demon. This is a power that God's Word has for your life. It can drive these things away. It can completely change your life. And so we want to do two things. Number one, I preach about it all the time. We want to be in God's Word. We want to be in His Word because it has the power to change your life. Not just now, but more importantly, forever in heaven. As it brings you from spiritual death to spiritual life, as it brings you to faith in Jesus as your Savior, it has the power to free you completely. And then number two, we want to go and tell others. We want to spread the news just like these people did. So who is one person in your life that you can encourage with God's Word this week? Who is one person that you can invite to church? Who is one person that you can tell of this powerful Word of God that has completely changed your life? As we do, God will change their life and yours as we bring this life-giving message to everyone. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for giving us your word. It's so powerful it casts out a demon. It's so powerful that it's completely changed our life. You've brought us from spiritual death to spiritual life. We thank you that you have worked faith in our hearts. We ask you to continue to forgive our sins. And we know that you have because that's what your word promises. As far as the east is from the west, so far has you, have you removed our transgressions from us. Be with us. Help us to treasure your word. Help us to be amazed by your word. Help us to be changed by your word. And then let, help us to bring it to others. In your name we pray. Amen.